Are you ready, ladies? Stand tall. Straighten those crowns and show them what you're made of. You're listening to the Farm Queen Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Michelle Klein of Nellie's Knoll Creamery. So we're going to get to know her as our Farm Queen of the Week. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, So let's get started with easy stuff. Introduce yourself and give us, you know, we know your name and your farm. Tell us if you'd like to tell us what area of New York you're in. Um, Tell us what you raise, how long have you been farming, And if you feel so inclined, share what a day in the life for your family looks like. Sure. Um, Well, I, my husband and I recently, um, well, I guess it's not so recent, but we purchased our our farm in 2017. Um, We had moved from Newark Valley. We're currently in Berkshire, which is Northern Tioga County, just halfway between Ithaca and Binghamton. In 2017, we made the move to a a bigger property. We had um, been living on five acres in Newark Valley, got into pastured poultry and um, raising goats. My stepson actually wanted a horse, and I had lots of experience with horses growing up and um, realized that horses are fun to have, but they definitely don't create an income, at least not in this area. So um, he settled on on some goats. I had taken them to a teacher's conference and there was a, a young girl there who had a goat at the, the camp. It was up in the Adirondacks and um, he had helped her milk the goats every day and decided that, you know, maybe goats were a good alternative to, to horses. Um, I had uh, goats growing up as well. So my husband and I went out and found a little starter herd, um, two nannies that were in milk and their their offspring. And that was back in 2014. Um, and we had, you know, kind of wanted to jump on the sustainability wagon. So we we figured we'd have our own milk and I'd learn how to make cheese and, and whatnot. At the teacher's conference, um, there was a soap making workshop. So once we got, had these goats, we were, we're getting over a gallon a day for a family of three. We decided that, you know, we needed to do something other than just, you know, milk and cheese. So I started dabbling in making soap and then started making lotion. Um, it took about probably a year and a half before people were paying me money to do it and, um, you know, add this, this scent and that scent and started giving away soaps and lotions and cheese. And, you know, with people, you know, offering me money for all this product, um, realized that, you know, we might be able to make, you know, partial living at least. Um, we stumbled across this property because I had actually contacted um, the neighbor, it turned out to be the neighbor here, looking for a water tank. We were gonna start collecting rainwater and doing some some different things. So 
came up to buy the water tank and, you know, was admiring the view from her property. And she says, oh, well, you really like the view here. You should see the place next door. And oh, by the way, it's for sale. Um, so that was, I guess we're going on five years ago. We've been, we've been here. Um, but with, with the, the sales and people really um, enjoying the cheese and the, all the dairy products that I was making, we decided to expand. Um, my husband was, you know, well, it's go big or go home kind of an attitude. So um, my stepson at the time was, I think he was like a 14, 15 years old. He's, you know, since moved on to college and is living on his own. So the family is just my husband and I, um, and we are now our, our starter herd of five. We now have 40, um, you know, offspring. We have, seems to have, have triplets and, and, uh, quadruplets all the time. So if we kept everybody, we'd be over, I don't know, probably 500 goats, but we try to keep the herd size down to about 40. Wow. Um, yeah, I think I have like, Honestly, I don't know exactly how many goats. I'd have to stop and count it right now, but I want to say it's like a dozen, give or take. And mm -hmm. yep. I'm not really sure I can even comprehend 40 goats. <laughs> <laughs> so for you to handle that in a day is is nothing short yeah. of impressive. Um, let me ask you this. How many of those goats um, contribute to, you know, your cheese and your soap and all that kind of stuff. I mean, do you maintain like a one buck 39 dough herd or do you have no. you know, a mix kind of thing? So like, what is, what does it look like as far as, you know, milking them every day and processing yeah. everything? How's all that work out? Well, I, I thought it would be a whole lot easier to, to milk year round. Um, all of, so to, to answer your question currently, I am just starting up again. So most of my does were dry or started to dry up around November. And that wasn't, that's not the ideal. That's not what I really wanted. Um, I, I wanted to have milk year round. So had I done that, I would be milking 16 at a time. I, my milking stand takes four uh, or holds four. So I figured, you know, I'd, I'd be able to do four sets of four and it would be efficient. Um, we and had, assuming, such, it, can I ask that's, that's like machine milking, right? You're not, yeah, <laughs> I have a, I have a bucket milker and I milk, milk, actually milk two at a time. I put four on the stand at one time. And my process is that I put four on the stand. I put two feed everybody at once, put, um, milk two, and then go to the other two when the other ones, the, the first two are finished. And it takes the four that length of time to finish their feed because I'm sure you know when you're milking a goat, they need to be occupied with feed. Even the best milkers don't like to stand there if you're not giving them something. So yeah. that was my, you know, that's sort of my how how it works well for me. Um, but we had such a hard time getting our creamery up and running. Every year I would plan kidding, keep track of, you know, cycles and and put the dough in based on when I wanted to have the kids born. Um, and keeping, you know, trying to do it naturally without using any hormones to bring them into heat. So that was, that was my plan. I did it great, you know, did a great job with it until the creamery really started to happen. Um, the year before everybody went into heat, I just threw the buck in and was like, 
well, whatever happens, happens. Well, last year, all of my kids were born in January. Yep. I had a February stretch and everybody was February and it was awful because it was, you know, negative seven in the sun for a few yeah. of those days. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it's, it's nice to get it all done at once, but you know, obviously you're not going to have milk year round. So, um, so right now I have 10 in milk. I have a few more that are coming yeah. in, in February and then a few more in March, a few in April, and I have some that are being bred now. So. Yeah. And I assume you have, um, I don't think you mentioned what kind of goats you have now. Oh, um, I have the people know, cause I know I'm thinking of like Nigerians are, you know, seasonal, but not seasonal yeah. all year round. Most everything else is, is seasonal. I've heard a rumor. We're going to detour for just a second. I've heard a rumor that Nubians can be somewhat like the Nigerians and be all year round breeders. Um, my Nubians been 18 plus months now without mm -hmm. any kids. So I think she's just a lazy freeloader, but oh. Anyway, tell us what kind of goats you have and what kind of, um, so my, my preference, my preference is actually Nubian. Um, so most of, most of what I have is Nubian. I have a few token Sanans. Um, I, somebody told me how much milk they produce and I thought, oh, wow, that's really awesome. But you lose the butter fat. They're, they're not high in butter fat at all. So I really do like my Nubians. Um, I dabbled a little bit in crossbreeding Nubians with boars and I do like the higher butter fat. I have some that are producing almost 6%. Um, boars are pretty high in butter fat. And then I have one Alpine and I guess that's it. I, you know, someday I wanted to have a, a teaching farm. So I thought how cool it would be to have, you know, one, at least one of, of every breed to teach people the differences, but, um, the creamery has got to make money. So I'm with you. Yeah. I, I was going to say, when you said that, I didn't realize that boars had a higher butter fat because they're, I would assume that they're perhaps a slightly lower milk production because of being more of a meat breed. So that was, that was really interesting. You said that because I think a lot of people are like, Oh, I'll do, you know, the crosses and it's good mm -hmm. for both. And then it's like, well, you know, you're going to compromise volume. So in terms of a creamery, I guess you have to be really focused in on what exactly you're making with the, with the milk to know what kind of milk you want. So, right. So right. let me ask you this question. Um, you said you got into this with the goats because of your stepson on the horses. And mm -hmm. I like how you worded that, that see if they're a good alternative. Cause I have regularly described my goats to people as they're kind of like cows body type, but they have the personality of horses sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, they like they're, they're a cow, but with some sass, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So you also had mentioned so like, that's kind of the specifics of like why you got into goats and you've gone from there as far as business. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned the idea of kind of going for sustainability and stuff, but is that the reason why you guys started farming in the first place? Was it just really driven by that sustainability? Was it like, what is it that prompted you to want that? So I, um, I don't know how far back to go, but I, I grew up on a small hobby farm. Um, my dad was a police officer. My mom was a um, home health aide and kind of stay at home mom. 
and you know, just grew up in the country, loved animals, participated in 4-H, was an FFA in high school. Um, the nostalgia, I think, of, of raising your own food is, is something that is part of my DNA, my husband as well. And when we started to be able to produce food for other people, like we, we would produce enough for us and then, you know, and then have all this leftover stuff. And it was more about just being part of the food system than it was about making money, you know, like having it be a source of income. So I guess I'm, I'm fortunate because I, I have a job as a high school agriculture teacher. So that the part of, you know, understanding the food system and sort of um, being jack of all trades, master of none, it's, it's more about for me, it's about the, the way of life. And, um, I enjoy the animal side of things that, you know, the husbandry part of it, it's, you know, it's pastoral, it's, um, watching things grow, being part of the life cycle, but also there's so much reward when you take what you've made to the farmer's market. Um, what I find for us, nobody else is selling goat milk. You know, there's people that come far to get it. Um, they really like my product. I try to make it a little bit different. Um, you know, there, there are a couple other creameries that are not really close, but we're the only one selling at this particular farmer's market. Do we have it, have the market cornered? Not really, because there's still like so many people that don't know a lot about goat milk products, but there's just so much reward in doing it in in providing a food source for people. Um, you know, I started like with, I guess with the soap and lotion, that's sort of how we got hooked into it was I'd make, I'd make a, you know, a batch of soap, we'd sell it at a craft, you know, craft market. We, then we started having repeat customers, people would say, you know, I, this one guy, I'll never forget. Um, he was a burn victim. And he said that he had never found any soap that could actually soothe his skin. And he was a repeat customer. He'd buy, you know, 10 bars to last them and then come back for another 10. And, and it was just, you know, it's that kind of story that we were hearing over and over again. Um, you know, I, I, I pride myself in keeping the buckiness out of my goat milk products, you know, the, the food products and, and people are like, I never had goat milk that tasted so good, you know? So it's, it's that pride when you are making something and doing something, you know, to provide for people that make me not want to stop. How hard is it to keep the buckiness out? I know I've read like, don't have does and milk within like what is it 200 feet of the box? And I'm looking around like it's like across the farm. How many, how many barns yeah. these, you know, these people think I have with this advice? So yeah. That's it's, that's really that's really cool to hear how much um I would call it the really the subtle attention to detail that you put mm -hmm. in there. Cause I think there are a lot of people that, you know, I mean it's it's polarizing. There's one brand of goat milk that they happen to sell locally here at, at you know the grocery store, pasteurized, of course. 
Mm-hmm. And I've tried that because we just like, hey, we're going to get goats. We should make sure we like goat milk before we, you know, get too far into this. So we had gotten it and we're like, yeah, this is good. My daughter loves it. She would rather that we bought goat milk than cow milk. Both my kids would rather have goat milk now than cow milk. And then, you know, people and I, I came across somebody in Virginia and somebody in, I want to say like Oklahoma, maybe that is the exact same brand. Who knows where it's, you know, milk from or bottled from, but they're like, oh no, it was terrible. It was that really goaty kind of flavor. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, that's wild to think that a national chain can't have consistent product. And yet here you are saying like, no, that's yeah. my first and foremost thing to focus on. Yep. It's really yep. cool. Yep. I mean, I, I have three bucks on the farm. One is a, an, an old I promised the, the woman when, when we bought him that, you know, this would be the last place he would go. Um, he's, he's nine, which is pretty old for, for a breeding buck. And he's been shown and he's, he's a really nice guy. Um, I have an up and coming Nubian. And then I have a boar that is, um, was born this past spring. So, and they, I mean, they're not really 200 yards away. They're but he he's in the barn. The other guys have their own pasture. I guess it's like, if you can smell them, they're too close. <laughs> so I don't know. That's, they just, they don't interact unless it's, you know, it's the day they're going to be bred. So, but, um, but you know, it's, you know, a lot has changed since, since we got, we first started farming. I mean, my, my husband has leukemia. He has decided that you know, the farming thing, he just, he doesn't enjoy it anymore. So it's, um, you know, he picks the things that he can do and the things that, that he enjoys doing. And, and I, I love the rest. I can't, I can't picture not doing it, even though it's a lot, it really is a lot, you know, it's a lot to balance the, the teaching job with the farm job, but I'm for, I'm very fortunate that, that there's, you know, that both of them, I mean, I teach my passion. So I live my passion and I'm, I'm able to teach it and, you know, involve young people in it. And I believe that farming is, you know, it's, it's a lost art. There's fewer and fewer people that are doing it. I think now that, you know, the trend may be, maybe changing a little bit with, with people like us that are, you know, small farmers, but um, everybody has to eat. <laughs> So, yeah, there's the number one most encouraging piece of advice for anybody who wants to start a farm. It's like, mm-hmm. yes, you can do it. You should. You should grow your own food because it's better, um, like tastes better and everything. We just had, mm-hmm. you know, finally done with her leghorn chicken for dinner, and it's not your classic meat bird, but you know what? It still tasted better than store bought. <laughs> Absolutely, so, and better yeah. for you, right? Yeah. Um, so, given that you our farm queen for the week. And I told, I remember when I saw that picture, I told Doreen, I wish I could have seen a video of that handoff of that crown. (laughs) You just embodied anybody who's seen it on our social media. Her smile embodied the definition of tickled pink when she opened up that box and got that crown. I wish I could have been there to see it. That must have been cool. Um, So how did that feel getting the crown and you know, seeing it, obviously Doreen had to get in touch with you to, you know, coordinate and meet and give it to you. You probably knew what was coming, but how did that feel to see the crown to, you know, wear it on your head while you did chores or whatever 
to know that this is something that somebody wanted you to be able to feel that honor? How'd that feel for you? Um, it, it was humbling, I guess is the, is the, the best way to put it. Um, it was really, really humbling. Um, I, I do what I do and I don't, I mean, I do it because I enjoy it and I, and I do it to serve other people, you know, providing food for other people. Um, so to be recognized for that is, is just, um, I, I take it for granted. So it's, it's nice to feel, to feel appreciated and, um, a recognition that, you know, it, it, it awkward, I guess is, is another, you know, is another way to put it, but, you know, very, very humbling. Yeah, I could, <clears throat> I could understand where you'd say it would be. I don't know if I'd go with awkward, but certainly unexpected perhaps, but definitely not. I like how you worded that of, um, you know, I do this to serve others. And so you kind of take it for granted that you do that even without any kind of, you know, large recognition. I mean, you obviously get the subtle recognition, like the, the burn victim saying, you know, this Mm -hmm. is, this is something great. This soothes my skin. You know, I'm, I'm so glad you do this. And I think that day today you get a little bit of it, but to really kind of like it's almost like we we package it all in one for you of like here look at it yeah um how did it feel doing chores this week with the crown on <laughs> did you wear it more than more than a day did you wear it every day did you no i i honestly now? yeah i was i mean i love it first of all green is my favorite color and the stones in it are green so it's it's absolutely you know it's 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 really really cool um i didn't wear it because I don't want anything to happen to it to pass it on to the next person. Um, so I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't wear it. Um, and I tried to get pictures, you know, of, of myself, but I'm really, most of the time I'm, I'm working alone. So it's really hard to get, you know, to get those pictures. But my, my helper was actually off this week. She was down at the Pennsylvania state farm show so um, hopefully I'll have a couple more days where I'll be able to maybe put it on and get some pictures taken while I'm doing some stuff. But, we can make, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. But yeah, duly, duly noted, we should, we should figure out at some point, we'll figure out who's got the crown and we'll, we'll like ship a tripod to like a clip on thing or something from Amazon. We'll ship it to whoever has the crown when we find the right tripod and yeah. somebody or a can selfie plan on stick or something. Right. Yeah. Something that you can, that you can set up. That's a good point. That is, that is definitely tough to, I don't know, just, you know what, we're farm people, get some duct tape, just stick it around like the yeah. steering wheel or something. <laughs> That's a wall. good idea. That's a really good idea. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to switch topics just a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously still farm woman related, but what is it about being a farm woman, being a woman in the agriculture sector, um, what what do you perhaps run into pretty commonly that people just have completely wrong about what it's like to be, you know, you and what you do, mm-hmm. um, whether it's about, you know, you and the work you do, whether it's about what you sell or, you know, your business, but simply put, what's what's the most common misconception that you encounter as a farm woman? Um, I think 
So over the years, I've done a lot of um, professional development in other parts of the country. So I've, you know, gone to gone to conferences and, you know, in the South and in the Midwest. And one thing that I've seen really is that it's not as uncommon for there to be women farmers in the Northeast and in New York. But when you go to the Midwest, the farmers are men and the women are, are their support. Um, I've been active in the Farm Bureau and um, the women are doing ag in the classroom, but the men are the farmers. So it's less, it's less an issue, you know, being from New York. There's, I think there's, I guess maybe the stereotype is, is somewhat broken down here. Not so much in other parts of the country. Um, I think that, that, you know, I guess in other words, you know, New York is, is much more of a progressive state. Some, I think the bigger misconception or the, the bigger issue is more about farming in general and people not understanding where their food comes from. Um, so I think, I think that's maybe the bigger issue that at least that from my perspective and, and things that I've seen, you know, living in, living in New York, um, you know, when people, and even in my profession, when, when we, when we talk about, you know, teaching agriculture, the misconception is, you know, big farms and, you know, corporate farms and factory farms and things like that. You know, they, they think it's evil and, you know, how could you have a part of that? But then when you start talking to them about, you know, your own, your own enterprise, um, your own farming practices, you know, then people are more, you know, more apt to listen to you. But just the, the word farming in general, you know, has a negative connotation and it, and it always has, um, you know, that's, that's one of the, I think one of the things about being an ag teacher that I realize, you know, you really have to be willing to tell your story, you know, and, and all of us farmers have to be willing to tell our story. And, and that's not just how we got here, but also how we do what we do and why we do it. Um, you know, everything from, you know, why do you take the babies away from their mom when they're born, you know, and, and to really, to be able to understand, you know, those type of farming practices, um, you know, even people that, that don't normally drink milk that are, that are vegans and to try to understand, you know, their practice and why do they, why do they make the choices that they make? when, you know, they don't really understand where milk comes from to begin with. I hope that answers that question. Yeah, no, I, I like how you mentioned the, the stereotype because we, I think most people fall for the, you know, describe a farmer and they'd probably say middle-aged, perhaps slightly beer-bellied, white male, you know, middle-aged or older, somewhere between 45 and 65, plaid mm-hmm. shirt tucked into some jeans wearing some boots baseball cap or a cowboy hat you know big red barn behind him giant right. tractors taller than he is you know i think i think that's definitely like nationwide that's the that's the, the image. image of a farmer mm-hmm. i mean if you look at how many advertisements whether it's on tv or in a magazine or something that's more commonly what you're going to see for a farmer you know boot advertisements it's going to be it it's going to be that guy you know yeah and i think 
I would agree with you. I'm definitely, I've, I've, you know, come across a lot of farm women now being in this, you know, arena, if you will, now that I think you're right that New York definitely is more, a lot more women than I think you'd expect that are doing the farm work. And, you know, like you said, that, you know, your husband, I'm, I'm sure that that's at least somewhat, you know, medical situation driven to not enjoy doing Mm -hmm. the farming anymore. And, um, you know, yeah, the, that we're not afraid to just step up and pick up the slack. And I think actually a lot of women I've encountered in, in the farm world are more of like, I want to be an equal part of this because I don't want my husband to get all the credit for it. So <laughs> there's definitely a little bit different breed of yeah. farm women in New York, which is why we're, which is why we started doing this. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, I like how you said that though, of there's definitely the stereotype. And then when people hear farm, they go, well, the first question everybody asks me as a small farm is, well, how do you raise them? Because, mm-hmm. you know, there are, there are people who are, you know, somewhat aware of, kind of commercial farming practices versus small farm. And so I give them a lot of credit for asking that, but the fact that they're asking a small farm, you know, do you follow commercial practices means that there still is that stereotype of farming is that, and it's hard and uncommon to find the small farms when in all honesty, we don't live in commercial farm area quite so much as you know georgia south carolina out in the midwest etc where you have like the poultry farms down in georgia that kind of thing that we have some but it's not it's not nearly the density of other places so right it's interesting you mentioned that so kind of to to go off of that um what is one thing that you wish your customers knew more about your life as a farm woman or about life as a farm woman in general And it could come off of the concept of, I wish they knew more of what it means to be a small farm. It could be, I wish they knew how much work I do. It could be, I wish they knew I worked a job off the farm too. I mean. Yeah, I think that that's one area that I think we've done a pretty decent job in talking to our customers. And, you know, when, when we are vendors at the farmer's market, I mean, I, you know, I think about the people that stop by every week that, you know, that make small talk. Um, you know, we do a good job educating people about what we do. Um, so I guess if there, if there was one thing, um, I would have to say that we make every effort to to use local products. So, you know, when we buy our feed, we buy feed from, you know, a local guy, he grows his own corn and his own, you know, his own inputs. We give him a recipe, he makes what we want. Um, So, you know, we do everything that we can, not just because we believe that it's the right thing to do, but we're supporting our local economy. Um, We are, um, you know, with the exception of like bottles, which we have to buy from, you know, from far away, but everything that we, we buy is, is, you know, in, in an, in an effort to keep things local, to keep our prices from going up. You know, we, we try very hard to keep prices low for, for, for people, especially in this economy. It's, it's tough. Um, 
but you know again we we do take every opportunity to talk to our customers and and so you know so that they know what we're doing um we like to be able to you know to answer those questions you know when they say how come your milk tastes so good you know we 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 explain to them you know why we do what we do and that that's really important to us so i have two follow up questions to go off of that um the first one as far as buying things locally do you feel like that's um more common among small farms to make the effort to, you know, to procure things locally as far as the feed or, I don't know, you have bottle babies and you need extra milk or something. So I'm going to go find it, you know, instead of going to, you know, Aldi or Tops or whatever mm-hmm. grocery store and buying, you know, a jug of milk from who knows where, do you feel like small farms, um, you know, like yours, like mine, mm-hmm. do you feel like they in general make an effort to stay local with, kind of where they get things from and then as far as uh you mentioned talking to all of your customers at the markets really making sure that you're sharing what you do and kind of educating them on what you do um would you say that you do that more as a proactive thing or as more of a reactive thing i i'm trying to think the the small farms that that i know of i don't know that they that they they do the same the same practices. I mean, there there are. I mean, there there are definitely some, but I I think in today's economy, people are just really trying to stay afloat, and they're buying whatever is cheap, you know. And and nothing is cheap. I mean, our our feed costs have have you know almost doubled in the last four years. So, and that's, you know, that's because everybody's prices are going up, you know, between fuel and, and, and drought and everything. Um, so I, I'm not sure that, that they are holding true to that. And, um, you know, when, when even selling eggs, I mean, at the farmer's market, we were really struggling with, with prices. Um, so I, I'm not, I'm not really sure. And, and I, my, one of my fears is that people are going to stop going to the markets and paying extra to get the local, because at some point they're not going to be able to afford it. So that, that's one of my fears, you know, with, with this economy, if things, if things continue to go the way they're going. Um, I would agree with that. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely a concern that I'm feeling when I'm making I think 12 cents per dozen or something like that on my eggs yeah. just to try and keep them affordable for people it's like yeah and is- and we don't you know I guess that's one of the other things we we seldom when we love what we do we don't pay ourselves an hourly wage we look at profit line you know profit margins and you know how much how much inputs go in and how much we can get out and we pray that it breaks even or that there's a profit right um, so it's, you know, that, that's the really, that's a really tough thing. Um, the other part of your question. As far as, yeah, as far as talking to your customers and talking to them about what you do and like how you keep the buck flavor out and yeah. that kind of stuff. Do you do that more yeah. as a, like a voluntary, Hey, let me tell you about my farm, whether you want to listen or not, or is it more of a, do you wait for customers to come to you? Um, a little bit of both. We, so around kidding season, we often have um, a computer set up with a live feed into the barn so they can watch the babies run around or, you know, just kind of see inside the barn. So we give them an opportunity to, to, you know, like that, basically that prompts the question, 
Um, and then, well, uh, one example are, are what I would use would be our eggs. Um, there's regular customers that come in and they buy eggs from from whoever. Well, we were getting feedback, and and this is totally this is all my husband. So he he has the chickens, I have the goats. People were buying eggs and saying that we had the best eggs at the market. So you know that gives him an opportunity to explain why you know why why because ours are they're free range they run around they pick up bugs their the yolks are so orange they look so different they you know kind of stand up high and there's people that will only buy our eggs you know so that gives an opportunity you know they're like why are your eggs so good why why do they look like this um so i guess it's a little bit of both i hear you with that one too i have i have a couple of customers that have literally verbatim sent a message that says, I don't care what your price is. I would rather pay you than Wegmans because they're so much better. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, there's yeah. definitely a huge difference, but I like your thing with the, uh, the live feed in the barn. That's a really cool idea. So I think you've really painted a beautiful picture for us of kind of who you are. Like you said, you live your passion, you teach your passion. You are about as farm woman as it gets, I think. (laughs) So what is it that inspires you to keep doing this even when it gets tough? Because I know I can relate to the leukemia. My husband had leukemia and unfortunately passed. I'm assuming they had different types of leukemia, but you know, obviously that's a hurdle for you guys to deal with that. That is certainly going to make just your day-to-day tough, but you guys mm-hmm. are still pushing past that. You're still doing the farm, you know, when prices are going mm-hmm. up, when maybe I know you recently had a goat that had the C-section. And so, mm-hmm. you know, obviously a C-section in a goat is is very abnormal. So even when things are very difficult, when it just feels like, man, why are we doing all this hard work day in and day out? What is it yeah. that, what is it that keeps you going? I... I find such Zen. It's really hard to explain. You know, when I have a bad day at work, I come home and I find peace with the animals. Um, I've always found reward in hard work. And, you know, it sounds so silly, but nobody likes to clean a pen, but it feels good to see that, you know, to see that after reward, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good pen that the animals, you know, are going to be in clean bedding, um, whether it is, you know, filling a bucket, washing a tub. I mean, it's all mundane chore work that, you know, some people think about, oh, it's chores and they have, you know, like a feeling about it. I, I have always just, I, it's the, the seeing something that is accomplished, you know, oh, this time of year is exhausting, you know, watching the barn camera, waiting for somebody to go into labor, but being able to bring those little ones into the world and enjoy them and, um, you know, hopefully provide animals for somebody else whether it's for production or for pleasure and I don't know it's just it's I find truly find hard work enjoyable and rewarding 
I like how you describe that. I think that that's definitely a uh, lost characteristic in the world these days, that there are a lot of people who, I wouldn't say they're afraid of hard work, but they're very much against it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And I'd rather uh, pay somebody to come in and do it for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I hear you on the, uh, the clean pen that I, I just, I swapped some goats over, I'm, you know, shuffling who's with who and everything. So I set up a new pen and I moved some over and boy, were they so excited when you throw down Mm -hmm. all that fresh bedding? They're like, Ooh, can we kick at it? Can we care about the bedding in the old pen? They care about like, this is new. I got to explore. They're like kids, but yeah. Yeah. I love that. So I think this wraps up all the questions that we had for you. Um, if you have any last inspirational message or your favorite inspirational quote, anything like that, you want to just throw off the cuff for folks or. Well, I think that there are many, many, many of us out there. And, um, I think, I think there, I think all of the New York farm women are deserving of a crown and, you know, it's, it's a labor of love that we do. Um, you know, sometimes the, the uh, work-life balance is very difficult, but, you know, we have to know that, that we are, you know, we're, we're producing something that, that people need and without us, I don't know, you know, we'll all be shopping at, at Walmart or Wegmans or, or wherever for our food. Um, we provide choices and diversity and, and that's all a really good thing. So um, I, I can't imagine doing anything else. And like I said, I know there's a, there's a lot of us out there. Um, I'm grateful for, for the website and the, or the Facebook page and for the podcast. I think it's, it's a great way to, you know, promote what we do and, and why we do it. So, so thank you for what you're doing. Well, that was unexpected. <laughs> Thank you. Um, We'll insert, you know, shameless plug here that if you're listening and you're a New York farm woman and you have not joined the New York farm women group on Facebook, then you can find it at NY farm women. And we would love to have you because it's full of women like Michelle who are just awesome and wonderful and, and helpful. So if people adore you after this and they want to follow along and they want to watch your live baby cam and everything, where can they find you and follow you? And your farm. www.nelliesnoel.com or on Facebook. And I assume that's the same thing, Nellie's Knoll, as the Facebook page? Yes. Okay. Yep. I think that wraps it up. I hope you awesome. get a whole bunch of new people following along with you. If not, you just for much. the baby cam and then they'll and then they'll join in and they'll stick around for the long haul after that. Awesome. Thank you very much. Oh. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>